2: You today, happy Father's Day to all of the dads and the stepdads and grandpas and those that are in the role of a dad. I hope you have a fantastic day as you celebrate. This is the first day the WIBC Sunday Magazine Show. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. You can visit them at HoosierHomeValues2023.com or CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. And we will check in with them at the bottom of the hour and see what the latest is in real estate news. I'm Terry Stacy, along with Dad and Grandpa Denny Smith.
3: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No mic? There, oh, we'll... there we go. Thank you.
2: That's for fun on Father's Ky- Day. Ky-
3: Kylan was <laughs> teasing me. She's in control. Uh, you know, maybe I talk too much. Anyway,
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. Happy... <laughs> It is. Now, do you go by grandpa or do you have a different name?
3: Uh, The kid's name is Papa, and they couldn't say grandma, so Jane's known as MAGA. So we're Papa and MAGA.
2: Oh, now Maga. MAGA! I've not heard of. <laughs> Spelled like make like America
3: <laughs> great Yeah, Jane. Jane should have t- trademarked it because of be- before Don- Donald Trump came along, and then they've got hats with MAGA on it. Look, it's my hat. You know.
2: Wow, yeah. that's really interesting. I've heard of other names for gra- Mimi, and yeah. Well, you they know, just couldn't pronounce grandma. So they, they got said it backwards. MAGA.
3: And, yeah, and the kids get to name you. You know, I I didn't want to be known as grandfather or anything. You know, let the kids name me. So they did.
2: Big Daddy. Grandpa, I Big had pa, a, pa, I had Grandpappy.
3: A, I had a Scoutmaster we called Big Daddy. Did you? Big Daddy McGillard. He was a Big Daddy. <laughs> he really was Big Daddy.
2: Granddad, oh,
3: Right, And I would like to point out to John Herrick that I am alive and well and that I noticed that he's alive and well. Remember the when we said Carl Erskine was dead and then <laughs> yeah, Ray we Stevens know. was dead and he texts us real quick, John Herrick here, I am alive. I'm alive. So anyway.
2: I forgot about that. Oh, boy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Kyle and Talley is here producing the show. Hi, little one. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. What are you going to do today on Father's Day? I'm going to go spend it with my dad. Just yeah. hanging out. Yeah, my brother
4: and I are thinking to go and have some fun. And honestly, I haven't told him that I'm coming down to visit him.
2: Oh. So it's if he's secret. listening,
4: then Uh-oh. happy then, surprise.
2: Yeah. yeah. Happy Father's Day. I think there's a seven-second delay. You can change your mind right now. <laughs> oh, oh, oh you can good idea. Out. I like that.
3: I thought it was 12 seconds. Is that it was, 12? Oh, it's eight. Our, it's but eight. Eight. Okay. seven's an, an
2: seven's average. a nice number. <laughs> yeah. Denny, what are you going to do today?
3: Well, I went by and saw Dad at at the cemetery. You know, I got yeah. always... Dad, whenever we find a penny, we're touched. We always think that Snuffy's talking to us. So, And we find him in the darndest times. So anyway, I found a penny yesterday. And I thought I'm going to buy and leave it on Dad's headstone. Oh, so I, took, I love that story. Got to gotta say hi to Snuff and. And yeah. then, uh, uh, Andy and Snuffy, Sn-
2: Snuffy Smith, remember everybody, if you don't know this by now, but Snuffy Smith was a very popular name back in, the I mean, I remember it from when 40s. I was a kid.
3: His name was Paul Eugene, but in oh, yeah. high school, Paul E. Smith. Yeah. Do you remember Dick the Bruiser? I do. Dick the Bruiser and my dad played football together. Now my dad is five foot nothing oh and gosh. Dick the Bruiser was six foot and, and everything. But anyway, um, he got the nickname Snuffy. But he was Is we that, always knew there was a skunk when a guy would call up the phone and says yes can i speak to paul please guy, dad it's one of those you know everybody called oh him oh my Snuffy. gosh
2: that's funny he
3: retired in 76 did he yeah had a good life had a good life.
2: dick the bruiser you mentioned dick the bruiser that was the first person the only person i think i ever called that was on wibc on a sports talk show with i believe jerry baker and my dad Always listened to sports talk with Jerry Baker. And um, Dick, Dick the Bruiser was a guest, and they were taking phone calls. And my dad gave me a little question, wrote it down, and said, Call. And that was and the first person, the only person I think I've ever called a radio station, and it was this one, uh, WIBC, to ask Dick the Bruiser a question. And he was
3: a wonderful guy. He, he lived, was, he, and he was great with kids. He lived on Kessler, but dad said that he had a tenor voice, but in football, they didn't have the protection. And he got a chop to his throat. And that's when his voice roughed up a little bit. That's oh, that was a story Dad was, told. Yeah, we thought that was all just part of his. Yeah, they were the 1947 shtick. North Central Championships. They didn't have state, uh, you know, football at that point, but they were.
5: Really? Yeah,
3: they said that if you won on a on a foreign field or on somebody else's field, you had to fight your way back to the bus because <laughs> nobody wanted to lose on their own field. So. Anyway, Dick the Bruiser, uh, Dick w- the William Bruiser. Atlas. William Affliss. We
2: had such a good time yesterday, Kylan. I wish you would have come. I know you were busy, and you, but you <laughs> yeah. had thought maybe you would come to Slawfest yesterday at Sullivan Hardware. We really got to know a lot. We got to meet a lot of people that uh, listened to WIBC. Wasn't that fun? And it was really one of my favorite remotes. I'll remember that one always. I got beautiful flowers from Charlie. Beautiful he long stem de- roses. He was the
3: deputy chief Charlie, of the volunteer fire department. Bronco
2: brought me a piece of um, Steve. Brought collar Steve. Bronco brought me uh, a piece of sugar cream pie. I
3: looked all over for that sugar yeah, cream pie. It I thought that was there, and I kept going back trying to find mm-hmm. sugar cream pie.
2: You no, know, aren't that when, you the special one? I got one. the I got the treat because it's my favorite <laughs> pie, and he brought it to me from a place in Gainesville, and it was delicious. And oh, I wish boy. I could remember the name of the place. But uh, I, thank you all so much for stopping by and saying hello to us. So we enjoyed event? every bit of it. Tony, that's the Three hundred people there. Is that right?
3: Three hundred people.
2: Good, because it was a beautiful day, and today's going to be just as pretty. If you're looking for something to do with Dad today, the track out at IMS. Racing continues out there today. Gates are open right now for the Brickyard, Brickyard Vintage Racing Invitational. So it might be a good day to take Dad out there. Tickets start at $30 each. Kids 15 and under are free. With a paid uh, ticket uh, from an adult, they'll have uh, right. In fact, right now they've got their pre-war exhibit, Denny, at noon that you would love, and then racing starts back up at one thirty. Over by four o'clock, so you'll be home. And the bees are gone, by the way. Did you know that story about the bees Mm-mm. during the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or during the Indy 500 out there? Uh, in one of the areas, I think they said was it on the, the I don't remember. I'm not going to say because I don't remember are where it was. You're telling me they
3: swarmed uh, a. There queen was a came swarm. Yeah.
2: And but nobody was looking. Nobody paid attention because the cars are loud, and nobody could tell it was it, this swarm. And some people were videoing because it was such a big swarm. So apparently, this happens often out at the track that this swarm comes back. And one of the beekeepers, local beekeepers, came out and they got a call after the day after the race was over, and he collected these bees. All you
3: got to do is get the queen if you can and find the queen. Oh, he couldn't. He, he still couldn't got it. He couldn't find him? the
2: queen. So oh. he came back, I guess a little he stayed and he waited and waited until the queen came. Oh boy. And then he got he caught her and then and then everybody followed. And they all got into where their cages. and they took them up to a place where there's a place for them, yeah. a, a place to be and be happy, <laughs> be, and be happy. Uh, on Keystone, look like up, near, up near where Pat yeah. is. Hey, Kylan,
3: did you get your picture taken with Will Power? You were t- getting your picture I taken? I did not.
4: That was okay. one of the racers I did not get Ooh, you. he was
3: so hot was yesterday. He, he got jammed up. He wants, he was, to, was, he, mm-hmm. he wants to punch Grosjean yeah. in the face, he said.
2: Grosjean,
4: yeah. Grosjean. Yeah. yeah.
2: Roman Grosjean, he wanted to punch him. He said somebody <laughs> needs to punch him. Him. And then he got mad at Scott Dixon. <laughs>
3: well, Dixon was just in the wrong place at the he wrong time. He didn't know. I mean, yeah. he apologized. Well, he and he said, did "I apologize didn't see, see him." To Dixon. You
4: know, yeah. I didn't see him. You know, I did get to work Indiana Sports Talk producing it last night. Did you? And, mm-hmm, and Mark James had called in and talked about that interaction and how he was <laughs> like, "It's not as crazy as everyone thinks." Yes, it comes across as being super oh, dramatic. Oh, he was hotter he was than like, a firecracker. Oh, he was just coming out of the car. He he downplayed it so much. And he did. For me, I saw the video and I was like. Oh, no, he's, no, ready, to, he he's ready to fight. No, he was hot. He was really mad.
3: It was, it was like he made mm-hmm. fun of his mother. Mm-hmm. I'm excited ready to, to fight. see
2: how the race turns out. Me too. See, this is why we need this kind of, this kind of um, it's not controversy, but conflict is always good. You know, because it makes you want to watch and see what happens today. Because I believe Scott Dixon and Will Power are right next to each other.
3: 26, 27, 27, <laughs> 22, 23. Something Both of like them that. are going to be at the maximum level yeah. of piss you know, That's right. Ready to fight.
2: Well, that race starts at 1 o'clock, and you can ha- catch that on, on our sister station, 107.5 and 93. Three, 93 107 93.5 93.5 <laughs> uh, The Fan You can do that Alright Kylan We need to take a break Don't we? Yeah Okay Coming up On this Father's Day A dad who's become famous In the blog sphere By sharing his fatherhood journey That's next on 93 WIBC
1: Life is so much more Than a diagnosis It's about sharing time With those you love Hanging with friends Who lift you up And experiencing All those moments That bring you joy
2: 73 WIBC, it is Terry Stacy. Well, on this Father's Day weekend, I thought we'd meet the blogger behind the wildly popular No Idea What I'm Doing, a daddy blog. His name is Clint Edwards. And Clint, it is so nice to meet you. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm just excited to be talking. How are you? I'm
2: good. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. Clint and his wife, Melody, have three children, Tristan, Nora, and Aspen, the youngest. And you've been blogging for... About a decade, is that right?
0: Uh, Yeah, it seems like an eternity, somewhere in there. Yeah, (laughs) at least 10 years.
2: Was this something that you wanted to do for fun, not thinking about actually making it a career, which I think it's kind of a career, isn't
0: it? I would say it's good part-time income. Uh, (laughs) I do have a full-time job, to the chagrin of myself and, and, and many other people, but it started out as a, I studied writing in college, and I tried to publish a book, and I got rejected by hundreds of of publishers, and I was really depressed, and I thought to myself, you know, I need to do something else, and blogging was really popular. It still is popular, yeah. but it was very popular then, and I thought, I'm going to give it a shot, and so I, I wrote on a blog every five days a week for a year just to see what would happen and by the end you know i'd written for the new york times and the washington post and then i had been on good morning america and and it just kind of took off you know
2: weren't you the 2021 daddy blogger of the year
0: yeah and i am a recognized humorist which my family loves to hear me mention (laughs) when i come home (laughs) for dinner that i'm a recognized humorist and they're like sure quint you're hilarious
2: Okay, so listen. I mean, the the success came. So there must have been a break.
0: It was a slow building of of a few viral different viral posts. I mean, One in particular was in the Washington Post. and That's how I ended up on Good Morning America. But the one that really built me like a social following was, it was funny. I was at Red Robin with my youngest, and she threw this huge fit in the restaurant. And so I hauled her out like a kicking and screaming surfboard. And uh, people were glaring at me. And I was like angry and frustrated. And I'm sitting in the car, and she's crying. And I'm trying to be a good dad, but I'm overwhelmed. And I just vented on my Facebook page. And that that sucker really touched a chord because a lot of people had carried kicking and screaming surfboards out of of a restaurant. And it it was crazy. That thing was shared hundreds of thousands of times. and, And that's that's really where where I started to have like a, you know, I went from, you know, tens of thousands of followers to hundreds of thousands.
2: I think that's awesome. By the way, we're going to tell you about his books, too, because they do pretty well as also Clint Edwards is his name. He's the blogger behind No Idea What I'm Doing, a daddy blog, a very successful author as well. But let's talk about the kids for just a minute, because 10 years ago when you started that blog, obviously the kids were younger. You've got two that are, I uh-huh. think two that are teenagers now. How's that going? <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, I wish I had a, a definitive answer. I can say that uh, nothing prepared me for the teenage years. I I was not, uh, and, and I hear parents say this all the time, and eventually they'll come back, but it, it has been a challenge. And I know that uh, my kids went from having no idea that I was, what I was doing to, uh, dad, are you going to blog about this?
3: Oh, like this, yes. it's
0: a regular, yeah. don't, don't, don't blog about this. And, and I give them full veto rights to say, hey, don't write about this. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. But I mean, ultimately, you know, I've often been described as like the Mr. Rogers of the internet. So I don't write anything too controversial. So I don't, fingers crossed, I'm not damaging my children.
2: It's all relatable. (laughs) I mean, everything you write about is so totally relatable to moms and dads. That was going to be my next question as the kids are getting older and more aware. I was going to ask you if they're still okay with you writing. Is there an end date on this thing, do you think?
0: I'm a writer, and I like to write and writing is is how I process the world so I think I'll always write it at some point you know things are going to change And, and I've you know originally it was like me you know, kind of venting about my kids, but um, it's slowly become, you know, I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I've written a lot about that. Part of the reason I named my blog, No Idea What I'm Doing, is because I didn't have a father growing up. He he was a victim of the opioid epidemic. And so I write a lot about, you know, uh, drug addiction, trying to overcome what it means to raise children and be a good husband and father when you don't have, when you never had a good dad. And um, in fact, my most recent book is a memoir about, you know, learning to overcome over uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, shadow of my father's drug addiction. So there's plenty of other things in life to write about. Um, right now, it is a lot about my kids, but I've started writing about other stuff. So I'm I'm hoping to stay interested into the interesting into the eternities. You mentioned,
2: and I read some of your writings about your dad. That you didn't have your dad in your life very long, and and uh, when your wife told you that she was pregnant with your first child, you said you were scared to death that you were going to grow up to be just like him.
0: Yeah, I actually went in my bathroom and cried. I was I was so nervous that I, I I didn't know how to not be my father. And you know, looking and that was one of the best things I did about that book is I really looked hard at my dad's life. And and up until he had a couple of surgeries, uh, you know, in the late 80s, he was a pretty good dad. Um, and drugs just ruined him. Yeah. And it was 10 years after those surgeries that he was he was dead. Um, and it is, it's one of those things that I just had to make peace with and, and understand that a lot of his decisions and a lot of the mistakes he made, uh, I don't think were him. I they were, you know, an uh, impact of the, you know, the drug drugs that he had kind of fell in, fall into, you know.
2: Clint Edwards is here and he's the blogger behind no idea what I'm doing but also he is a successful published author in his first book this is why we can't have nice things followed by two more books I'm sorry love your husband and also silence is a scary sound and other stories on living through the terrible twos and 3s oh, see this is also relatable and then fatherish where he shares his stories about trying his best as a parent For you, Clint, what do you think is the best thing that you can do for your children?
0: Uh, I mean, you know, people talk about presence and they say being there, but that really is ultimately it, is to be a consistent presence um, and be, you know, be there for your kids. I mean, it was funny, just the other day, I was driving my youngest and a group of her friends home from a, they did like a dance party at my uh, church with like lights and stuff. And they're like eight, you know, so I'm sure it was a real crazy time. And I was driving them home and we were going down a hill and all the girls asked me to just take my feet off the, the pedal so that we could coast down. And they put their hands up and they were screaming and my, and they were saying to my daughter, your dad's the coolest. Oh. And your daughter just, and my daughter thought I was so awesome. And all I needed to do was be there. <laughs> you so I mean? great. Like I just needed to be there with her. And suddenly I was the coolest dad. And I just took my foot off the gas. That's I think it. that
2: is so cool. <laughs> I think that is so cool. Clint also has said the best thing you could do is really just love your spouse. That is, is true. Do you think the experience of blogging has made you a better dad?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised how often I'll write something and I'm trying to figure out why this moment made me think Hard and why it stuck out in my head, and I realized, oh, I was I was kind of being a jerk. <laughs> and so I'll, I better, I, and so I will go apologize to my wife or my kids. And, man, I didn't realize that I was making that mistake, and and then I, I was able to finish the essay. So it, it has caused me. I think one of the best things I've done for myself as a father and husband is to just write about stuff and really just think and reflect on what this all means.
2: Listen, some of the best gifts you've received for Father's Day.
0: Oh. You know, one of the gifts I love them, and, and it's funny because I hated all this stuff growing up, and I used to like roll my <laughs> eyes, but like those best papa, best dad in the ga- galaxy shirts and right? stuff like that. My kids buy that stuff for me all the time, and I wear it with pride now. I've got slippers <laughs> that say best papa. I wear them to the grocery store, I wear them to the gas station. I'm totally that guy, and I just, I love that stuff. Oh, like, I, I adore it.
2: Hey, listen, let everybody know where's the best place to find you? At Clint Edwards, the blogger behind No Idea What I'm Doing, a daddy blog. I am most
0: active on Facebook and Instagram. So no idea what I'm doing. Daddy blog on Facebook and then no idea, uh, colon daddy blog on Instagram. And then, you know, wherever good books are sold. So Amazon Barnes and Noble, you can find my books and, uh, yeah, they're all uh, they're all amazing, and you should you should buy all of them for your friends and family. And for the
2: new dads that are coming this way any minute, uh, these are all fantastic books for gifts. I think
0: you would they they would love them.
2: Hey, Clint, thanks for giving us some of your time today. We're so grateful. I hope you'll come back and see us.
0: Oh, wonderful! It was my pleasure. Thank you.
2: You betcha. Happy Father's Day. It's 1128. He's terrific. And I highly recommend reading his blogs, whether you're a dad or not, because he's really funny and really relatable when it comes to parenting. Uh, that was awesome. All right. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips. But before that, we've got some trending stories, Kylan. Egg prices are finally cracking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no more 4 did and did a half right dollars
4: 5 right. a
3: dozen. Yeah.
4: <laughs> you had the B joke earlier. I had to have something. Uh, yeah. It's the largest monthly decline in 72 years. That's That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're pretty lucky to have our eggs and the way the farmers get them. And then another trending story. This was announced that Germany will be paying Holocaust survivors around the world more than $1.4 billion in 2024. It's slated to be one-time payments Mm -hmm. and through welfare programs. And it's kind of nice to see...
2: Some absolutely you know the commercials that run at night have you seen the commercials that run at night that no. are um uh, about the jewish community and the suffering that they still endure and they you know the poverty mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's one of those commercials uh like that you know i don't know but it's like one of those the, that just like rips your heart out and you say fifty, yeah they, can those. you send us 15 a month yeah. um you know I've, mm-hmm. I've been doing that kind of thing since i was a little kid when i I supported a child in Africa, <laughs> or Did Uganda, you really? it was Uganda? Yeah, Toby I, Gabiso. I ended What's up having name? a well
3: donated in in Africa in my name for a birthday present.
2: That's once. a great present. They,
3: but I, the well's got my name on it. It says. <laughs> Does that, this have it's your a, name? It a Denny Smith on the well. <laughs> oh, so I I think if that's I ever awesome. get to Africa, I got to find this yes, well. Yes, you do.
4: Yes, you do. Oh, my final training story for you is just because this is going to relate to next hour tourists continue to harass some wildlife in the Yellowstone Park. Stop doing this! Yes. They're going to get their
3: bups whipped they if, they really they, are. if they mess with the wrong one.
4: Yellowstone even released a plea in response to the few incidents and because if you mess with the wildlife, if they retaliate they have to then
2: euthanize them. And that's oh. not... Stop Good. getting your selfie picture with these animals. Mm-hmm. Stop it's it. A lot of people don't it.
3: know that a bison can jump over your car and never... They can jump eight foot in the air. I
2: didn't know that. Oh, I they're didn't...
3: jumpers. They're, cool. I mean, they They can jump like a deer. Oh that's the
2: animal everybody wants their picture taken with, too, is well, the bison. Gonna, they're
3: going to get their butt stomped. For that's crying sure. out
2: loud, stop doing stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man! Okay.
3: Speaking of butt. Oh, by the way, Speaking of butt stomping, <laughs> if you've ever bought a house, you have to deal with appraisers. Okay, appraisers can be the official butt stompers <laughs> And uh can we bring up uh, Greg Let's and Lisa? Let's do. Greg
2: Cooper and Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants at Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty. Uh, check them out at crossroadscollectivehomes.com and also check out who's your home values 2023.com. Hello our friends, we're so glad you're here on this Father's Day and uh Greg Ooh, hello there. <laughs> Good morning Lisa, good morning Greg. Who wants to take this question? Is this a great question?
3: This is a great question. Let's go, Kate. All right, so Greg, let's talk about what exactly is a home appraisal and who in the world is the home appraisal done for in a real estate transaction. Mm,
6: okay. So it's an it, it's an independent opinion of value done by somebody who has nothing directly related to do with the real estate transaction, guys. And ultimately, it depends who it's being done for. If there's a mortgage being obtained on the property, you know, most home buyers think, well, I'm getting an appraisal done, it's for me, no. If there's a mortgage being put on a property, that appraisal is actually being done to protect the lender that the buyer is paying for. And that's kind of a common misconception among a lot of people. Now, if it's a cash transaction, buyers can do it for their own information or they don't have to do it at all. But all mortgage-based transactions, generally speaking, are gonna have some kind of an appraisal.
2: And then Lisa, who orders the appraisal? And then when does that happen?
5: So if it is a buyer being financed with a lender, the lender will order the appraisal, but the buyer is paying for it up front. So that sometimes is when in our market there'll be a holdup because in our contract that appraisal is supposed to be ordered immediately. And sometimes because of just the transaction, it's a thing of, oh, it has to be paid for by the buyer up front, and then the lender will go ahead and order it.
2: Hmm. And, and, you know, wait, I have one yeah. quick question and that is, okay, so you go through this transaction, let's say that, uh, and then that transaction falls through and you, you change your mind. I, as a buyer say, no, you know what? I've decided I don't want that house. Then the next person comes along and they say, we'd love to have this house. And do they, they still need to go through another appraisal and get that done or even, even if it's five days later, Right.
5: Yeah, yeah. And okay. it, it, the appraisal is done specific to the date. Okay. So okay. in my former life, this is what I used to do. Uh, so I was an appraiser in my former bless life. Bless her, so her
3: father for she has sinned. I was
0: the fuck. <laughs> what, what, what was it pity <laughs> on the butt?
3: bless her father for she may have sinned.
5: Uh,
0: no. <laughs> no. Oh, boy.
5: Oh, she has. Oh, she. she <laughs> Kylan, go ahead. I mean, it's thrown
4: out. I mean, it's thrown yeah. out. <laughs> I Quick question. Greg, do you all realistically. State transactions have to have approvals like which ones don't need an appraisal
6: well the, the only ones would be a, it's an option for people purchasing with cash because we all just have hundreds of thousands of dollars laying around right. that can throw it throw a real estate transaction <laughs> oh, actually guys yeah. over over 30% of the homes bought in central Indiana are bought with cash so those transactions oh. it's an option but if you're getting a mortgage you're absolutely going to have to have some kind of an assessment evaluation. I mean, and this was all part of the Dodd-Frank housing crash, et cetera, et cetera, 2008, 9, and 10. That's a protection that was put in place for lenders so that they were made sure that their their values were covered when they lended money.
5: But in all what we've seen in the past year is that sometimes mattering how much money the buyer is putting down, the lender is basically running it through a program and it's coming back that they do not have to have an appraisal. They feel that it is – Fi- they, the lender feels that they are covered to the point where we are not having to always um, to have financing.
3: Right.
6: If it's a big them. enough down payment, sometimes the lender will waive that.
3: All right, Lisa, let's take the other side of that. Let's say that uh, Terry and I are married and we put oh, a... Oh, boy. We put, we put, remember, we,
6: remember <laughs> we, remember we were <laughs> married
3: last year, So or last week, so and we're still week, married. Every
0: and, week. And, and we yeah. <laughs> we
3: put a bid on a house. It was a nice, you know, uh, empty nester. And it was 350000 and we said, <laughs> let's go with that, 350000 and yet the appraisal comes in for less than that what the heck happens if if it doesn't come in enough
5: so back in the old days you would pretty much it would drop down to whatever the price was of the appraisal just because the buyer probably didn't have money set aside to make up the difference and the seller would be motivated enough to agree to that price Sometimes the appraiser is wrong, and so I, as a buyer's agent, a lot of times we negotiate that and give them information, and sometimes that gets changed back up to the 350. It was if it was it, I would say not the best appraisal done, but right now a lot of times you're just making up that dollar amount. Okay.
3: making up mean they won't mortgage as much. So I have to come up with more of a that means the
5: buyer's bringing the the buyer's bringing the rest of the money to make it whole.
3: Terry, we're married, but that's coming from your side. okay? (laughs) that's coming from your side.
2: Thank you. Okay. Uh, Okay. so is an appraisal for a home sale? Greg, this is for you. Is an appraisal for a home sale different than for someone who may be refinancing their home?
6: Yes, very much so. Because once you live in the home and you have an established credit history and you've been making payments on it, the bank has a sense of trust about you. And so they're going to be a lot less concerned with a a hard line appraisal, appraisals know, excuse me, appraisers know whether this is a sale or whether it's a refinancing. So if it's a a sale and you're going to be brand new to this property and making payments on it, the appraisal will be more stringent and detailed than someone who's doing it for a refinancing. If you're trying to get a, a, a home equity line or something like that, those are a little bit less stringent as far as what the appraisals are done at.
3: Hey, guys, you know, in every sport, there's a ringer, somebody who everybody wants on their team. What happens if I can I choose the appraisal, the the appraiser who chooses who the appraiser is?
5: So back in the olden days, the lender would choose individually the appraiser. So after the housing crisis, that changed. Therefore, there's like a pool. And so the pool, it comes from the pool. So there's really no one picking unless you are a cash buyer and can pick then individually the appraiser.
7: Okay.
2: Okay. All right. Who's your home values, 2023.com. That's a great place for you to go. Also, crossroadscollectivehomes.com. Remember these folks when you are thinking of buying or selling your home. Maybe that's right now and you need some help. If you have any questions, you can certainly find them on their social media platforms. Greg Cooper. Also look for Lisa Phillips. Again, real estate consultants at Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty. Crossroadscollectivehomes.com. Thank you both. Have a great rest of your weekend and we'll talk to you next week.
3: Thanks, guys. Happy Father's Day, Denny. Thanks, brother. Same Aww. to you now.
2: All right. Coming up, Denny, you've got?
3: Oh, we have uh, done some research with uh, Dr. Robert McAllister, who's a board-certified internal medicine, board-certified dermatologist. I had a thousand questions about these new sunscreens and you know how many skin cancers are really out there. He And he's a wealth of knowledge. He'll be joining us.
2: That's next on 93 WIBC.
4: to the first day on 93 WIVC, this beautiful Sunday morning. Happy Father's Day. Terry, <laughs> you're so freaking cute. It is 77 degrees, sunshine for sure. I'm Kylan Talley, of course Terry Stacy, Denny Smith.
3: There isn't a single one of us who goes out on a sunny day and wonders whether they should be applying sunscreen. Now, some of us are religious about lathering the stuff on, and some of us are just a little bit nonchalant about the whole sunscreen thing, and we really don't want to do anything. But whichever camp we're in, as well as the middle ground of whether to use or not to use sunscreen, what we'd really like to know is the real scoop about sunscreen and skin cancer. Joining me today is Dr. Robert McAllister, a board-certified dermatologist from the west side of Indianapolis to answer some questions. Dr. McAllister's been practicing dermatology for nearly 40 years and he has certainly been on the forefront of screening for and treating all varieties of skin cancer. Dr. McAllister, thanks for taking the time to share some information about sunscreen.
7: Glad to do it, Denny.
3: In the 1950s and 1960s, Dr. McAllister, we just called it suntan lotion and it was sort of a fun time because we saw the young lady on the Copper tone commercial with her drawers pulled down. We could see the suntan and we all wanted that wonderful bronzed, beautiful tan. Today we call it sunscreen. Tell me how suntan lotions have changed. We now call them sunscreens, but how have they
7: changed over the years? Well, probably the number of ingredients that we use to provide sun protection has increased. There have been multiple chemicals that have been developed to provide broad-spectrum sunscreen protection. And then even the mineral-based sunscreens with zinc oxide and titanium dioxide have come along and found to be very effective as broad-spectrum sunscreens. You know, I tell my patients that it's too bad that when uh, Coppertone was marketed it was marketed as a sun tanning agent because back then you thought well you know I can already get a tan why do I need to use this but if it were marketed as a sunscreen to mothers trying to protect their kids from getting a sunburn and the bad effects of the sun then it would have been used more and maybe people would be more in the habit of using it today.
3: You know, I've read about this. We've gone from the chemical base that you talked about. I remember zinc oxide that we had rubbed that all over our noses when I was a lifeguard and that was the thing that was sticking out there to get sunburn. Can you explain the difference between the mineral-based and the chemical-based for me?
7: The mineral-based sunscreens contain just zinc oxide and or titanium dioxide, so they are what they call inorganic chemicals, and they provide sunscreen basically because they absorb the sun's rays. Now, chemical-based sunscreens will absorb the sun's rays, but then they convert those to infrared rays, and then those are released into the skin, thought to be in a harmless fashion.
3: I'm wearing a piece of clothing that you taught me to search out, and I'm pretty impressed with it. It's a wonderful shirt. I've got three or four of them, and they're supposed to help screen out the sun. What's this shirt got in it that makes it so very good?
7: Well, it all depends. The different manufacturers that manufacture sun protective clothing do it in various ways, but most of them do it through a type of fabric that's very tightly woven to decrease the sun's rays penetration. Uh, sometimes they are specially engineered to actually prevent sun penetration into the skin. And once in a great while, they have even a special dye coating the fibers to prevent sun penetration. Wow, that's pretty serious stuff.
3: Some of us are in the shade a lot, and I've always wondered whether the UVA, UVB, all that stuff,
7: if we are in the shade, what is our risk of skin cancer? Well, let me tell you a small story about that. One of my patients told me, one time that he went fishing. He had a long sleeve shirt on and he was in the shade and he was fishing by a lake and he was fishing all day long. So he was in the shade all day, still had his clothing on. It wasn't SPF clothing, but it was just regular clothing. So when he went home that night and he took off his shirt, he realized his chest was totally sunburned. And oh that was because he got all this reflection off the water of the sun and a penetrated regular clothing so it got all sunburned. So even if you're in the shade, you can get reflection of the sun from pavement, from grass, from water, from sand. When you see
3: a skin cancer, your experience will tell you what you think it is. Go through the three different stages or the multiple stages of skin cancer as the professional community identifies them.
7: There are three basic kinds of skin cancer and a lot of times people will confuse melanoma with just skin cancer. Melanoma, of course, is a skin cancer, and it's the most deadly kind. It's the kind that can spread internally and and be fatal. But there are three basic kinds. There's the basal cell carcinoma, which primarily stays within the skin and almost never spreads internally, although it can be very invasive. Then there's squamous cell carcinoma, and that has about a 5% chance of spreading internally, but 95% chance still it's going to stay within the skin and then, of course, there is the melanoma, which is the cancerous mole that has the changes you want to look for the ABCDEs of melanoma asymmetry, irregular border, multiple colors, diameter larger than a pencil eraser head or six millimeters. And then E means evolution. It'll start small and then enlarge and develop some of the first three features that we talked about. You know, a
3: couple of years ago, you recommended a great sunscreen for me. I hated sunscreen. I hated wearing it. My wife, Jane, wears it all. On- almost every day, but you recommended a sunscreen called Amthelios by La Roche-Posay. Is that still a good one or do you recommend other ones besides this La Roche-Posay?
7: Well, currently I'm recommending more of the mineral-based sunscreen just because some of the chemical-based sunscreens we found, there was a study in the Journal of American Medical Association in June of 2019 that did a study with volunteers using chemical-based sunscreen. And it looked at four ingredients. These patients applied the sunscreen the way they were supposed post to every two hours. shot glass full over their entire body. Oh my, that's a lot. Which is what the recommendation is, right? So they were doing everything right, and then they looked at the blood concentration of the chemical ingredients in the sunscreen, and they found them to be higher than what the FDA considers safe and effective. Because of that, I've been recommending that people just switch over to the mineral-based sunscreen or zinc oxide, titanium dioxide. Now, La Roche-Posay is a wonderful sunscreen, and they do make a mineral-based sunscreen that's 50, and it's a very nice product. But what I have found is that there's a sunscreen called Sun Bum number 50 mineral sunscreen. Now that's kind of a funny name but it's a becoming a more well-known brand and I find when I apply that myself it's a little less greasy, doesn't leave you as white looking, it's a lot easier to rub in. So I usually recommend that to my patients. What is the range that the dermatology community recommends? American Academy of Dermatology and most dermatologists would say you should use at least a 30 or higher SPF. Joining me is Dr. Robert
3: McAllister, a board-certified dermatologist. He's been gracious in sharing some time with us as we ask questions about sunscreens and skin cancers. So, Bob, you go through all of this and you say to yourself, what a waste of time. You roll the dice and you say, I'm never going to get cancer. We look at ourselves as human beings. We take our antioxidants. We try to live a healthy life. What happens when you get skin cancer?
7: One short story of a clinical experience. I had a young man come into my office one time with an unusual looking spot on his left elbow. He had never used sunscreen or thought it was necessary. I looked at it and I knew right away it was probably melanoma. And he could tell I was kind of concerned before I even said anything. He said, what do you think? I said, well, I'm not really very happy with this. I'm a little concerned it might be something. He said, doc, you're scaring me. You know." So I said, well, we need to go ahead and biopsy that today. And regrettably, it was melanoma and he was dead in six months. From a personal standpoint, you know, I've been doing dermatology since 1983. And you would think of all people, I should know the hazards of not using sunscreen. And and I have been trying to be faithful with sunscreen on what I've been out in the sun ever since I went in my residency in 1983. So I've been pretty faithful with that. But you know, getting skin cancer can happen to the best of us, and it's happened to me. I've had four different basal cell skin cancers on my face, and I'm sure that's from prior sun damage and sun exposure, maybe even from current sun exposure, even though I've been trying my best. Uh, Lately, the last one I had was involving the rim of my nostril, and there's not much skin there. Unfortunately, it was a pretty invasive skin cancer, too. So I was really worried I was going to lose a lot of tissue there. It was really going to cause quite a deformity. I went to my plastic surgeon colleague, and he removed what we could see, and then he sent it away for frozen section surgical pathology. So I'm lying on the table there waiting for the results of that frozen section pathology to come back, and it took about 40 minutes, and you know, while I'm lying there, I'm thinking, how much nose am I going to lose here? What kind of hole is this going to leave? Thinking about if you don't use sunscreen, this can happen, and well, it happened to me, you know, I began to get really worried and concerned. Well, then eventually the plastic surgeon came in the room and he said, well, thankfully we have good news. We Margins were clear and he was able to get it all, you know, with minimal defect. But, you know, I'm I'm lying there. I'm thinking, I don't want to have to go through this again. So from now on, I just use sunscreen every day because I do not want to have to go through that again. and wouldn't want to wish that on anybody.
3: Dr. McAllister, have you seen an increase in skin cancers of late? You started, you've been at this almost 40 years now. In the early part of your practice, did you see as many skin cancers as you are seeing now?
7: I probably am seeing more skin cancer. That may be because I see predominantly elderly population now in the later phases of my practice. Even so, I think that the numbers of basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma are increasing. And probably gradually, even nationally, the numbers of melanomas are increasing as well.
3: Joining me has been Dr. Robert McAllister, an old friend from Speedway High School. I always appreciated him as a scholar. I have appreciated him as a dermatologist. I appreciate him as a human being, and the lesson that he has just given us is that no matter what you do, sometimes you roll the dice and it's you. So, how about using that sunscreen and paying attention because there are easy ways, are there not, Dr. McAllister?
7: Yes, there are easy ways to protect yourself. I always tell my patients, sun protective clothing always outperforms sunscreen just because most of us don't apply enough. We don't reapply frequently enough, and it's just very hard to use sunscreen in the manner in which you should really use. It but doesn't mean you shouldn't use it. You should still try. But if you can wear clothing like SPF shirts, that's gonna be far better than trying to apply sunscreen over large areas of your body.
2: Great information. Great interview, Denny. Thank you so much for doing that you for betcha. us. Appreciate you it a lot. Important. Think about that before you head out out today. It's eleven fifty-three. You're listening to the first day on ninety-three WIBC. Spit a happy Father's Day to each and every one of you from the most ridiculous lies I've ever told my kids, according to dads. This is an interesting one, that swallowing gum gives you bouncy poop. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So don't do that. I thought you were going to say blows bubbles. So cute. We've got another hour to go here on the first day. Thanks for joining us. The news is next.